0: book 2 chapter 18 of two treatises of civil government this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org two treatises of civil government by john locke book 2 chapter 18 of tyranny as usurpation is the exercise of power which another hath a right to so tyranny is the exercise of power beyond right which nobody can have a right to and this is making use of the power any one has in his hands, not for the good of those who are under it, but for his own private, separate advantage. When the governor, however entitled, makes not the law, but his will, the rule, and his commands and actions are not directed to the preservation of the properties of his people, but the satisfaction of his own ambition, revenge, covetousness, or any other irregular passion. If one can doubt this to be truth or reason, because it comes from the obscure hand of a subject, I hope the authority of a king will make it pass with him. King James I, in his speech to the Parliament, 1603, tells them thus, I will ever prefer the weal of the public, and of the whole commonwealth, in making of good laws and constitutions, to any particular and private ends of mine, thinking ever the wealth and the weal of the commonwealth to be my greatest weal and worldly felicity, a point wherein a lawful king doth directly differ from a tyrant, for I do acknowledge, that the special and greatest point of difference that is between a rightful king and a usurping tyrant is this, that whereas the proud and ambitious tyrant doth think his kingdom and people are only ordained for the satisfaction of his desires and unreasonable appetites, the righteous and just king doth by the contrary acknowledge himself to be ordained for the procuring of the wealth and property of his people. And again, in his speech to the Parliament, 1609, he hath these words, The king binds himself by a double oath, to the observation of the fundamental laws of his kingdom tacitly as by being a king and so bound to protect as well the people as the laws of his kingdom and expressly by his oath at his coronation so as every just king in a settled kingdom is bound to observe that paction made to his people by his laws in framing his government agreeable thereunto according to that paction which god made with noah after the deluge hereafter seed-time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter, and night and day, shall not cease while the earth remaineth. And therefore a king governing in a settled kingdom, leaves to be king, and degenerates into a tyrant, as soon as he leaves off to rule according to his laws. And a little after, therefore, all kings that are not tyrants, or perjured, will be glad to bound themselves within the limit of their laws, and they that persuade them the contrary are vipers, and pests both against them and the commonwealth. Thus that learned king, who well understood the notion of things, makes the difference betwixt a king and a tyrant to consist only in this, that one makes the laws the bounds of his power, and the good of the public, the end of his government, the other makes all give way to his own will and appetite. It is a mistake to think this fault is proper only to monarchies. Other forms of government are liable to it, as well as that. For wherever the power, that is put in any hands for the government of the people, and the preservation of their properties, is applied to other ends, and made use of to impoverish, harass, or subdue them to the arbitrary and irregular commands of those that have it, there it presently becomes tyranny, whether those that thus use it are one or many. Thus we read of the thirty tyrants at Athens, as well as one at Syracuse, and the intolerable dominion of the decemviri at Rome was nothing better." Wherever law ends, tyranny begins, if the law be transgressed to another's harm, and whosoever in authority exceeds the power given him by the law, and makes use of the force that he has under his command, to compass that upon the subject, which the law allows not, ceases in that to be a magistrate, and acting without authority, may be opposed as any other man, who by force invades the right of another. This is acknowledged in subordinate magistrates, He that hath authority to seize my person in the street may be opposed as a thief and a robber, if he endeavours to break into my house to execute a writ, notwithstanding that I know he has such a warrant, and such a legal authority, as will empower him to arrest me abroad. And why this should not hold in the highest, as well as in the most inferior magistrate, I would gladly be informed. Is it reasonable that the eldest brother— because he has the greatest part of his father's estate, should thereby have a right to take away any of his younger brother's portions? Or that a rich man, who possessed a whole country, should from thence have a right to seize, when he pleased, the cottage and garden of his poor neighbour? The being rightfully possessed of great power and riches, exceedingly beyond the greatest part of the sons of Adam, is so far from being an excuse, much less a reason, for rapine and oppression, which the endamaging another without authority is, that it is a great aggravation of it. For the exceeding the bounds of authority is no more a right in a great than in a petty officer, no more justifiable in a king than a constable, but is so much the worse in him, that he has put more trust in him, has already a much greater share than the rest of his brethren, and is supposed, from the advantages of his education, employment, and counsellors, to be more knowing in the measures of right and wrong. May the commands, then, of a prince be opposed— May he be resisted, as often as any one shall find himself aggrieved, and but imagine he has not right done him? This will unhinge and overturn all politics, and, instead of government and order, leave nothing but anarchy and confusion. To answer this, that force is to be opposed to nothing but to unjust and unlawful force, whoever makes any opposition any other case, draws on himself a just condemnation, both from God and man, and so no danger or confusion will follow, as is often suggested. For first, as in some countries, the person of the Prince by the law is sacred, and so, whatever he commands or does, his person is still free from all question or violence, not liable to force or any judicial censure or condemnation. But yet opposition may be made to the illegal acts of any inferior officer, or other commissioned by him unless he will, by actually putting himself into a state of war with his people, dissolve the government, and leave them to that defence which belongs to every one in the state of nature. For of such things who can tell what the end will be? And a neighbour kingdom has showed the world an odd example. In all other cases the sacredness of the person exempts him from all inconveniences, whereby he is secure, whilst the government stands, from all violence and harm whatsoever, than which there cannot be a wiser constitution, for the harm he can do in his own person, not being likely to happen often, nor to extend itself far, nor being able by his single strength to subvert the laws, nor oppress the body of the people, should any prince have so much weakness and ill-nature as to be willing to do it, the inconveniency of some particular mischiefs that may happen sometimes, when a heady prince comes to the throne, are well recompensed by the peace of the public, and security of the government, in the person of the chief magistrate thus set out of the reach of danger, it being safer for the body, that some few private men should sometimes be in danger to suffer, than that the head of the republic should be easily, and upon slight occasions, exposed. Secondly, but this privilege, belonging only to the king's person, hinders not, but they may be questioned, opposed, and resisted, who use unjust force, though they pretend a commission from him, which the law authorizes not, as is plain in the case of him that has the king's writ to arrest a man, which is a full commission from the king, and yet he that has it cannot break open a man's house to do it, nor execute this command of the king upon certain days, nor in certain places, though this commission have no such exception in it. But they are the limitations of the law, which if any one transgress, the king's commission excuses him not. For the king's authority being given him only by the law, he cannot empower any one to act against the law, or justify him, by his commission, in so doing." THE COMMISSION, OR COMMAND OF ANY MAGISTRATE, WHERE HE HAS NO AUTHORITY, AS BEING VOID AND INSIGNIFICANT, BEING AS VOID AND INSIGNIFICANT AS THAT OF ANY PRIVATE MAN, THE DIFFERENCE BETWEEN THE ONE AND THE OTHER, BEING THAT THE MAGISTRATE HAS SOME AUTHORITY SO FAR AND TO SUCH ENDS, AND THE PRIVATE MAN HAS NONE AT ALL, FOR IT IS NOT THE COMMISSION BUT THE AUTHORITY THAT GIVES THE RIGHT OF ACTING, AND AGAINST THE LAWS THERE CAN BE NO AUTHORITY. But notwithstanding such resistance, the king's person and authority are still both secured, and so no danger to governor or government. Thirdly, supposing a government wherein the person of the chief magistrate is not thus sacred, yet this doctrine of the lawfulness of resisting all unlawful exercises of his power, will not upon every slight occasion endanger him, or embroil the government. For where the injured party may be relieved, and his damages repaired by an appeal to the law, there can be no pretence for force, which is only to be used where a man is intercepted from appealing to the law, for nothing is to be accounted hostile force, but where it leaves not the remedy of such an appeal, and if it is such force alone that puts him to use it in a state of war, and makes it lawful to resist him, a man with a sword in his hand demands my purse in the highway, when perhaps I have not twelve pence in my pocket. This man I may lawfully kill. To another I deliver one hundred pounds to hold only whilst I alight which he refuses to restore to me, when I am got up again, but draws his sword to defend the possession of it by force, if I endeavour to retake it. The mischief this man does me is a hundred, or possibly a thousand times more than the other perhaps intended me, whom I killed before he really did me any, and yet I might lawfully kill the one, and cannot so much as hurt the other lawfully. The reason whereof is plain, because the one using force which threatened my life, I could not have time to appeal to the law to secure it, and when it was gone, it was too late to appeal. The law could not restore life to my dead carcass, the loss was irreparable, which to prevent, the law of nature gave me a right to destroy him, who had put himself into a state of war with me, and threatened my destruction. But in the other case, my life not being in danger, I may have the benefit of appealing to the law, and have a reparation for my one hundred pounds that way." Fourthly, but if the unlawful acts done by the magistrate be maintained, by the power he has got, and the remedy which is due by law, be by the same power obstructed, yet the right of resisting, even in such manifest acts of tyranny, will not suddenly, or on slight occasions, disturb the government. For if it reach no farther than some private men's cases, though they have a right to defend themselves, and to recover by force what unlawful force has taken from them, yet the right to do so will not easily engage them in a contest, wherein they are sure to perish, it being impossible for one or a few oppressed men to disturb the government, where the body of the people do not think themselves concerned in it, as for a raving madman, or heady malcontent to overturn a well-settled state, the people being as little apt to follow the one as the other.' But if either these illegal acts have extended to the majority of the people, or if the mischief and oppression has lighted only on some few, but in such cases as the precedent and consequences seem to threaten all, and they are persuaded in their consciences that their laws, and with them their estates, liberties, and lives are in danger, and perhaps their religion too, how they will be hindered from resisting illegal force and used against them I cannot tell. This is an inconvenience, I confess, that attends all governments whatsoever, when the governors have brought it to this pass, to be generally suspected of their people, the most dangerous state which they can possibly put themselves in, wherein they are the less to be pitied, because it is so easily to be avoided, it being as impossible for a governor, if he really means the good of his people, and the preservation of them, and their laws together, not to make them see and feel it, as it is for the father of a family not to let his children see he loves, and takes care of them. But if all the world shall observe pretenses of one kind, and actions of another, arts used to elude the law, and the trust of prerogative, which is an arbitrary power in some things left in the prince's hand to do good, not harm to the people, employed contrary for the end for which it was given, if the people shall find the ministers and subordinate magistrates chosen suitable to such ends, and favoured or laid by proportionally as they promote or oppose them, if they see several experiments made of arbitrary power, and that religion underhand favoured, though publicly proclaimed against, which is readiest to introduce it, and the operators in it supported, as much as may be, and when that cannot be done, yet approved still, and liked the better, if a long train of actions so the counsels all tending that way, how can a man any more hinder himself from being persuaded in his own mind, which way things are going, or from casting about how to save himself?—' that he could, from believing the captain of the ship he was in, was carrying him, and the rest of the company, to Algiers, when he found him always steering that course, though cross-winds, leaks in his ships, and want of men and provisions did often force him to turn his course another way for some time, which he steadily returned to again, as soon as the wind, weather, and other circumstances would let him. End of chapter 18